It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have so many of you out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker and advisor, and I focus on solving your e-commerce marketing problems. You can join the chat about anything e-commerce in the e-commerce Master Plan World Facebook group that you'll find at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. And if you do apply to join the group, please make sure you answer the questions. We have quite a few people recently signing up without answering the questions. And I'm sorry, I have to control the spam in the group. So we're not going to let you in if you don't answer those questions. Okay, enough of my Facebook rants. Let me introduce you to today's special guest. Brian O'Donnell is the Managing Director at Map Marketing. They launched over 40 years ago and have sold over 1 million personalised map jigsaws. Now, for every gift e-commerce business I've ever worked for, map marketing products have been a season after season bestseller. So it's great to get to talk to Brian and have him on the show. Now, as well as selling via those resellers in the UK, USA, Europe and Australia, they also have four of their own niche e-commerce businesses, all of which moved to Shopify in 2017. To survive for 40 years requires knowing when to adapt to your environment and when to push the boundaries. So I know this is going to be a fascinating interview for you all. Hello, Brian. Hi, Chloe. Good to talk to you. Likewise. Now, I've given our listeners a quick overview of marketing, but your own story is pretty interesting too. So before we get deep into the world of maps, how did you personally get started in e-commerce? Um, it's quite a while ago. Um, it was uh, early 2000s. I was working for Universal Music. Uh, they have a or had had a business called Britannia Music, which was one of those music clubs where you got lots of free CDs and were then hooked in for life. Um, your, I remember it well. <laughs> your, your American listeners will remember Columbia House, similar similar venture. So I was working for them. Uh, in direct marketing, customer acquisition, and response rates were declining in, in offline and, and online was beginning to grow. Um, so we had the usual you know, website built by techies and um, found that it really wasn't very good for customer acquisition. They had not good for people to buy. We'd do a really strong advert with five free CDs and people uh, would go online and get hacked off with a website. So we worked with um, agencies to try and uh, we, we built microsites. It was sort of an uh, I, I look back mm-hmm. at it and call it an early um, user experience um, brainwave where we built a little microsite for each ad that just had the products from that ad so that people could convert really quickly. Um, no logging on, no searching for stuff. And each microsite was was a simple customer experience. So back in 2003, I think we acquired 100,000 customers online. Uh, wow. So that was, yeah, that was how I suddenly thought, there's something in this online venture. and um, <laughs> There might be something here. <laughs> there might be something here. So it was, it was sort of, um, you know, early-ish days of the internet and you were learning on, on the go. But um, it, was, it was really, really good. And uh, online then just became part, you know, as everybody found, became part of your your acquisition life, and um, uh, I you know moved on. 
beyond Britannia, moved down to Devon then where I became e-commerce manager for Sutton Seeds. And um, they, when I joined Sutton Seeds, they had a website that closed at night. It, um, it, it closed between midnight and 7 a.m. <laughs> and wow. um, it, was, it was amazing to look back at that. They, they, uh, they had thousands of products and I think they had seven pages indexed in Google because the site was built in frames. Um, yeah, I, I, I had a client once who I was doing market, you know, I was coaching them through some marketing and growing their business and um, they went on holiday for a week and turned off the website. <laughs> and I was like, "You what? You what? You, yeah. Well, you turned off the check off. No, no, we turned off the whole website, the whole website for a whole week. Well, we were away, so I was like, Did you tell okay, me? well, that explains why last month's sales were terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. So I had to sort of learn a little there about um, that. Really got me into SEO proper, I guess, where you were. Uh, Hmm. trying to see how come this site has thousands of pages but Google only sees seven and had to you know work your way through that yeah uh, and, and that was great Suttons by the time I left had a five million pound website so it was it was um pretty good pr- pretty good growth um in the mid 2000s just for the listeners we're mm-hmm. talking five million annual sales aren't we not five, five million, million pounds pound annual cost. sales that's right yes yeah in the UK only <laughs> just checking in the UK only mm-hmm. Wow. I suppose the good thing about that, about, you know, starting a new job and discovering something like the fact the website's brought down every night and you've only got seven pages annexed in, uh, you know, indexed in Google is it's really clear what you need to work on. That's true. That's very true. Um, you know, there, there's none of this sitting around going, should I be working on Google AdWords today or Facebook ads? Should I give Pinterest ads a go? What about, should we do some more emails? I don't know. Oh no, SEO. It's all about the SEO yeah. for the next couple of months. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and it, 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 as I say, it worked um, hugely, but uh, it, it, it does, it, it, I still think of that. The, the other thing that was really odd and, and, and customers often do that. People often do this with their websites. The product say we sold tomato seeds um the word mm-hmm. seeds didn't appear on the product page because it was in a category called seeds and the yeah. logical person assumed that if you'd gone to seeds and then you'd gone to t- tomatoes that you knew that these were tomato seeds but google didn't know that so it was literally to go back to every product and, and amend the product description um but i still think of course website, that affects yeah well, yeah, and it, but, it, but it's, it's such a problem because not only is it affecting your Google rankings, it's also affecting the effectiveness of your Google AdWords ads as well because Google sees ad, ads that you're targeting at seeds and, it, you know, tomato seeds, and it sees an ad that talks about tomato seeds and you're sending it to a page that doesn't mention seeds. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of like is like a double whammy of problem, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. And, and uh, often Google do this because it's not it's bad customer experience. Again, the customer lands on the page and they might have forgotten they clicked on seeds. Uh, is this the seeds or is it something else? Is it plants? Is it uh, mm. yeah? So it's um, and you still see that. I still see that as, as a user on websites sometimes. Even at Map Marketing when I joined, not everything had the word Map in it. Um, because- it's a bit like um, I used to do some do some work for a maternity clothing company, and it was like. You know, you, you get kind of bored about putting the word maternity in every single product name. Yes, this is another maternity dress. This is another pair of maternity trousers. But it's like, well, we have to have the maternity word everywhere 
or we're just you know, custom. It annoyed. I, I think it on that site. It got to the point where it was annoying the customer because it was a site that only sold maternity wear. <laughs> but for the you know, because she's a maternity in every product name. But it, but actually, there's such a short lifespan of a maternity customer. You had to fo- focus yeah. all in on the acquisition. Yeah, yeah. You've got to get that term in there, and uh, it, yeah, it does make sense. It's, it it does sound a bit overkill. Um, but you have to remember each page. If you land on that page, do you know what it is? And the same when Google spiders it, does Google know what it is? Mm. So, Brian, you did Britannia Music, where you discovered the world of e-commerce yeah. with a very specific business model. You then went to Sutton's and implemented e-commerce to take it to 5 million with a com- another completely different business model. What happened next? So I, I then moved to FW Media, which is a, a niche craft, uh, arts and craft company. Um, and uh, I was e-commerce director there, moved their mm-hmm. websites, which were on a platform. I can't quite remember the name of it at the minute. And moved that to Magento. And... Mm-hmm. Um, that was an interesting experience. Um, any of your listeners who have moved websites to Magento will um, probably say that's been an interesting experience. <laughs> it's hard work. <laughs> it, it's hard work. It's very um, uh, so you need really high tech, technical expertise. You can't you can't do it yourself. You you need external help. Yeah. Um, you got to figure out hosting. You got to figure out payment gateways, which I remember particularly painfully. Um, and um, but we moved to Magento. It was sort of a, a group effort, and it, it, for 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 all my my grumbles about it, it probably worked from a a consumer point of view in that the site converted slightly better than the previous one, and the traffic was up was up. Yeah, um, so it wasn't necessarily a bad move. Um, but I made a mental note not to go to Magento again unless I really had to. Yeah, I th- it, it is a very, very powerful platform, but with that power comes a certain level of complexity. Yeah, it's, it's like, great, you can customise everything, but that means there's a lot of customization to do. Exactly. It's probably like SAP for for um, running your, your back-end systems. It, it's great for big companies and, and um, who have big departments. And I just personally don't think Magento works for SMEs um, you, you need to, you need something you can control yourself better. Well, then let's start talking about map marketing then, because as I mentioned in the intro, last year you made the decision to move all your e-commerce businesses to Shopify, yes. which I guess is from how you've been describing Magento, it's kind of the polar opposite, isn't it? It is the polar opposite. And that's what I liked about it. I mean, I, I have a little bit of HTML experience. I can hack around at sites so I can write a little bit of code but I'm not a techie and what I loved about Shopify is I could put a site live in in no time in very very little time um, and it's a um, you know easy to optimize you know almost automatically optimized if, if, if you set your product descriptions up right um, great integrated checkout um, yeah, I just found it so, so easy, low, low capital costs. Um, it was just the polar opposite to Magento. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Shopify to me has been a, a, a bit of an eye opener in how, um, easy it can be to launch a great website. 
Because you are running, I mean, actually, before I ask this question, let's yeah. just quickly check off. Are there any particular widgets or plugins you love on the Shopify platform? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Um, a few. The first one I, I would would have found most helpful practically day to day is MailChimp plugged in to Shopify. It brings the products across and in, in previous lives, trying to get products into emails with the right price and the right product description has always been a time consumer. E- MailChimp integrated with Shopify is is really, really easy to use, and I love it. Yeah. I know other people use other platforms, but it really works for us, and the guys who use it day-to-day really like it. Um, the other one that cool. helped us um, a lot, particularly in the beginning, was uh, an app called Shopify FD. Um, I can't remember what FD stands for. It's the developer name. Um, but it's uh, mm-hmm. one of the um, downsides to Shopify can be the filtration and the, and the navigation. And FD really helped us to set stuff up um, easier. It also, we need the customer's name and address to give them a personalized jigsaw every time. And yeah. Again, Shopify's out of the box wasn't great on that. FD allowed us to take the customer's name and address. Um, and, you know, sometimes there's a personalized message, date of birth, something like that. Um, and FD was really, really helpful. Cool. Well, now we've got that bit out of the way, because I know there'll be people going, what about the plugins? What about the plugins? Yes. Um, yes. If, I, if I miss that question. So, so listeners, there you go. We've done that bit. Um I guess one of the reasons why Shopify is the right solution for you at Map Marketing is because not only are you running four different websites, so you need them to be as to look after as much things themselves as possible without you having to go through too much complexity just to get the basics happening, but also because it's not just about the e-commerce sites, is it? You've also got your reseller program, which I believe is is a direct dispatch one. Yes, we 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 are um, a dropship specialist in many ways. We manufacture personalised. Um, products, particularly jigsaw puzzles. Um, our main thing that you mentioned in the intro is uh, a jigsaw puzzle with your house as the center, centerpiece of a jigsaw, a map jigsaw. And that product, um, if, if you are, have ever got a gift for Christmas, which is a map jigsaw, or if you have ever given somebody a map jigsaw with a centerpiece as a house, we have almost definitely made it, regardless of who you've bought it from from any of the big catalogues in the States, from National Geographic, Hamaker Schlemmer, uh, Signals, all the big catalogues in the UK. Similarly, we're, we're probably the only people in the world who do that product. Um, so you probably know somebody who's got one. We've, if we sold over a million, <laughs> um, <laughs> you probably know someone who's got one or you've given it to somebody. Um, so your question was about um, the, the complexity of the business the, model, I guess, is one of the reasons why Shopify works for you because you've got the dropshipping. Well, shipping got... doesn't necessarily go on shop. It doesn't go on Shopify. Um, the reason for that is we have uh, over a hundred resellers, all of them on different platforms. Um, so Shopify is we only use as a front end in terms of getting orders through our warehouse. We use uh, it, it's an old Sanderson product called Mailbrain. Uh, and on one of our divisions where we have pick and pack only, we use Linworks. 
And we, that's how we get the, so we don't use Shopify to run our warehouse. Oh yeah, no, I I got that. I was kind of more aiming at, um, but but I I love the fact you've just got into the warehouse side of things and how you're doing that differently because that's very cool. But no, my my point, which I must admit, I asked the question very badly, was more that um, it's not like most of our listeners out there they have one business with one route to market, or maybe they've got a physical st- one physical store and one online store. But for you, you know. And in that scenario, you want to keep technical headaches to a minimum. But once you've got two different warehouse management softwares, you've got your dropshipping customers in four different territories that you're trying to keep happy and deal with their orders and integrations. And you've got not just one, but four e-commerce sites serving the public yourself. There's a lot of different skill sets going on. There's a lot of different complexity, a lot of different routes to market. And therefore, it's really important to get software that does the job well without too much effort. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely, that is it. The beauty with Shopify is one or two, you know, one person can run a site easily. There's no, it just is so easy to use day to day. And we wouldn't want, and we did briefly have, one of our sites on a different platform to the other, putting the, all four of them on Shopify, as you say, in, in actually quite a complex business. Um, having Shopify take care of our e-commerce worries is um, is really, really good. Excellent. Well, let's just talk about how you deal with the rest of your e-commerce worries. And let's talk about your team. Given those multiple routes to market and everything you've got going on, I'm assuming there's there's a fair few of you. There, there is um, uh, the company employs around thirty people, but the vast majority are in production. We make, you know, we make jigsaws, we make print maps and laminate them. Where we're, in effect, we're a manufacturer who who does a, a a bit of marketing. We outsource a lot of our selling to resellers, as as we mentioned, to catalogs uh, and websites, mm-hmm. um, and we drop ship on their behalf. But um, in terms of our own marketing, we have a, a team of four people uh, in, uh, plus a graphic designer. The rest are the rest of the thirty are either warehouse people, finance people, or uh, customer service. Got you. So there's, are you, are you outsourcing much within that mix? Have you got many agencies on board other other than obviously you're kind of outsourcing sales to those resellers? Yeah, we we don't really, Chloe. We have, um, I say, our, our, our warehouse management system is. is Bought in from Sanderson's. Um, we do most. We did use an agency to help us build the um, Shopify sites, partly because of the personalization com- complex complexion. But we could have done that on our own. We run them day to day on our own. If something gets slightly technical, sometimes we can use a freelancer. Um, we use uh, you know we use freelancers. We've got a couple of regular freelancers um, that we use. But we I try to keep the technical number of technical internal people to a minimum because and that's partly why Shopify means you don't need a techie team yeah and and it's it's I love the fact that in this this um, kind of global economy where we've got to these days is that if you need something once a year 
you can find someone who's available to do it for you once a year. You don't have to have, you know, if you're hiring a marketing person, you don't, don't need to have someone who can do everything anymore because that that thing you do once a year, you can hire in the help for a couple of hours or for yeah. a week. Yeah. And I think that's that's made made it possible to be so much more dynamic in a business rather than, and it also made it possible to hire the right person rather than the jack of all trades. Yeah, yeah, it, it can be a little challenging finding good freelancers at times. But, you know, I, I use freelancer.com and I can't remember Fiverr. And there, there are sites like that. And when you find a good one, um, they enjoy working for you and they're happy to come back for a, an hour's work, a day's work, a week's work as, as, as it arises. Yeah, these um these little, little lots of little relationships we have around the world. I often say to people, my business, there's only me, but there's a whole fleet of specialists doing yeah. different things at different times. That you um, couldn't do without. Which, no, no, exactly. I'd spend a lot of time scratching my head if I didn't have them. Let's put it that way. So, um, I, Brian, I said in the intro that. Obviously, you've been around for 40 years, or the map marketing's been around for 40 years, and that's involved adapting to the environment and deciding when to kind of change the environment, I guess, by pushing the boundaries. And it certainly strikes me that your own career path has been one of adaption and pushing where you should, because, you know, any of us who've been in, in e-commerce for the last 20, 15 years or so have the same scenario. So... I guess, have you got some kind of key tips or examples for the guys listening about how to work out when to adapt and when to push? Uh, all I would if that's say not is, too huge a question. No, I would just say follow the money. Um, you know, push, push the places which are growing the fastest. Um, don't sweat about the things, don't always sweat about the things that aren't doing badly, that are, that are doing badly. And sometimes we do that. We're, we're a, a uh, quarter four business, we sell in the holiday season, November, December, that's eight, 70, 80% of our sales. And sometimes we sit down in meetings and go, oh, we really would do with being busy in July. If only we could have a busy July. Uh, and my answer to that is we get 5% more in December of sales. It's going to be better than doubling our sales in July. Don't stress yeah. about July. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, whatever. I was thinking that's one of the one of that is one of the key things about any business, though, isn't it? To learn what your seasonality is, and yes. you know, it's almost stop flogging the dead horse. If July is only ever going to be a small month, you go on holiday, uh, but don't turn off your website turn whilst your website you do off. it. Um, yeah, have a you know, work on strategy. Do something else in July so you, you're ready and focused to to fire everything you can at that December and that seasonality every business has some kind of seasonality yeah and it's just a business this general principle of enhancing what you're good at is probably going to do you better than focusing where you're weak oh so true um I guess a, a kind of a little follow-up question is uh, sometimes it can feel quite painful to adapt to the environment and sometimes you feel like you ought to push through the environment and create something new do you think that's something people should do or is that just actually just follow just keep following the money no that's that's just a question of judgment of the circumstance you you you're right that there are times when you think this isn't quite working but i know it's going to work and i'm going to keep pushing this um and particularly when you launch something new or try something new Lots of people will say fail early. I, I tend to, to to say stick with it, 
tweak it, try it um, before you give up. Um, I, I think you can, if you really believe in something, you think it's a correct route to go or channel to, to, to drill, stick with it longer than, than you, yeah, than you initially think, because sometimes things do begin to work when you, um, when you stick with it and, and tweak it and, and make it better. I think it's good advice because find getting the timing right can be one of the most difficult things. You know, is oh we were, we were six months ahead of the market, but yeah. we decided we'd fail, so we missed I, we missed when it when actually everyone I, else was ready for it, despite the I, fact we'd already bought it. I, 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 I think you, timing's hard. You did. I loved your guest uh, recently, Chris Aralambas, who said, "Give it thirty days and give it X thousand pounds," and. That's great, and that can work for lots of people. But you'll also find people who would um, say, "Well, uh, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't put lots more money in it, but I would give it a bit more time." Particularly if the time of testing is your time; it's not real money. It's just you testing. And then often, you know, especially if it's like a new product idea or something, you've done all the work to put it live. You've SEO'd the pages, you've seeded it out to a few places, you put it out on your social media, you've told your customers about it. To leave it sitting there for three months before you send another email about it to see if people are now ready is not the worst thing in the world. And it's not, like you say, it's not going to cost you a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's ready. It's all set up. The warehouse are ready to pack it. The site's there. Um, sometimes people are really keen to say, oh, that hasn't worked. Let's turn it off. Doesn't cost us anything to keep it listed for a little longer, and um, doesn't always work. But uh, uh, you'd be surprised. We we shipped ten thousand units of a range last year that we've had on our file for five years, I think, and we probably hadn't sold a thousand units ever. Um, we just happened to turn up at the right customer on the right day um, with a range of jigsaws, and you go, "Where have you been hiding these?" <laughs> but I, I think it's that's quite often the case that if you're selling um, wholesale as, yes. as such or through resellers, yes. is that sometimes there's something which might just sit on the shelf for a while until you find that person who goes, oh my gosh, this is perfect for my customer base. And then away it goes. I remember um, back at Pastimes many moons ago when I worked client side, one one Christmas, our best-selling product, which then became a best-seller year after year after year after that, was cat baubles. They were glass baubles that looked like cats. And the reason we ended up stocking them was because our, I think it was our head of buying, had gone to visit one of our suppliers, was having a look around their stock warehouse and saw them hiding at the back of a shelf and went, what's that? You know, hadn't been pitched it, hadn't been suggested it by the by the supplier, but saw this kind of hiding in a dirty, dirty, dank corner of the of the showroom, and went, "We need those." And then all of a sudden, we sh- we couldn't get enough of them. They were flying off the shelves. Um, it's, They're on your tree every but year. It's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it was just it was a it was a godsend. Um, okay. Brian, we're getting to the point where we're going to go into the top tips, but I figure before I um, before oh, there's so much more I could ask you, which means there'll be some of my listeners writing in to tell me you should have kept talking, you should have kept talking, yeah. and there'll be some of you going, oh, this one's gone over. So if you have an opinion on that, please do let me know via the Facebook group or email or the website, etc. But 
you mentioned you've got those niche sites. So yeah. how did you decide which niche, niche, niche sites to create? And, you know, are there, is it a case of you created it and it was hanging around for a while, I suppose? Um, no, I think they're all different product ranges and different customer bases. So we have map marketing, which sells to, uh, in effect, sells war maps to business customers. If you want to map in your office, map marketing, that's it's actually what it does. Butler and Hill is our gift division. Now, we did launch that to try and differentiate gifts from business. So before my time, but I, 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 I thought it needed a website of its own. And actually, we found that's been more successful in the USA than it has in the UK. So butlerandhill.com mm. gets more traffic and more sales than butlerandhill.co.uk. Not sure why. It just works really nicely for us. But it's got a clear customer focus. The other two, um, Geopax sells to geography teachers. It, it's it's a, a niche business that the company that bought. That is niche. Yeah, very niche. Bought 15 years ago and it works every year. And it just doesn't make sense trying to put that as a category in another site. It's It's got one target, geography teachers, yeah. one product range, very few competitors. It just feels like it needs its own site. And the fourth one is all jigsaw puzzles which sells jigsaw puzzles to adults. Um, there's a huge market in jigsaw puzzles that I was completely unaware of until a few years ago. Um, and we got into that partly by accident and partly by serendipity. And now we we make our own adult jigsaws. I get excited when we commission new designs of bawdy cartoons to put on a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. Um, and again, that, <laughs> that works really well in 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 US and UK, where we're, we're building a nice business there that is has got a really clear, a different customer to any of our other three. And I think that's probably how we set them apart. Customers different, the products different. They need their own site. There we go, guys. Anyone who's thinking of doing a little micro site or something, different cut, different product, different customer base. Definitely time to do one. Right, it is now time to go into the top tip section. So. I love this section because it gives me and the listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Brian, first up, your book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Uh, I would recommend Business for Punks by James Watt of Brewdog. Um, I'm not sure any of the other listeners have recommended this one, Chloe, have they? No, that's a first. Ah, it's great. I read it last that's year. So Brewdog is, a, is a, a, an English or British brewing company that um, have, have managed to break in, you know, as a startup, have managed to break into the big brewing um, business. Um, it's brilliant. It, it's, it's, it says things like tear up the business plan, don't start the business, start, start a crusade. It just gives you the sense of what it's like to set up a, uh, an entrepreneurial business. Now, we're not an entrepreneurial business anymore because we've been around for 40 years, but we want to try and maintain the entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm trying to build a company, trying to turn marketing into a business like Brewdog. Big ask, but Business for Punks is, is one of the best business books I've ever read. Oh, wow. Top recommendation then. Okay. The traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I think a few people have said this, but it's, it's email. I, I'm always amazed at how email uh, 
keeps working. You read these things about in millennials not reading emails. Um, I know everybody's got busy inboxes, but as a route to market on three of our four sites, email is the biggest revenue driver, not the biggest traffic driver, but the biggest revenue driver. And you can send, as long as it's relevant, you can send more emails than you think you can. Okay, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plug in a phone app or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? And I should say, I'm getting on with the questions, not because I don't agree with what Brian just said, just in case anyone's thinking, all oh, Chloe doesn't like that, but because we need to get through the top tips. Yeah, um, I'm afraid I'm going to say Slack, um, which I think everybody says, but it is really, really helpful for a team. We're in two different environments, one homework or Slack is really helpful. Personally, I also couldn't do without Evernote. I love a bit of Evernote. And it integrates with a surprisingly large number of things these days as well. It does, it? yeah. It's, it, 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 it's got better over the last few years. Okay, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? I'm going to say a few, but I'll try to be as quickly as possible, Chloe. Um, don't get... Don't live in Google Analytics. It's really easy to spend all day looking at the screen and your stats. Focus on selling. Um, get, get away from uh, analytics. It's all interesting, but unless it's actionable, you'll spend hours in there. Um, within that, if, if, you're, if it's one of your listeners, they're probably a niche business. Focus on their niche. Their site probably attracts traffic from a niche. So within all of your sales channels find the niche within your niche so for us it's email and we spend a lot more time looking at email than we do any of the others because it's the best channel for our our niches so find that one and spend it it goes back to the point i made about working on what you're good at find find where you're getting your revenue from not your traffic and and work on that and mine that channel Brilliant advice. Look, Masterplan World, you can find all the top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Brian, before we say goodbye, could you let the listeners know where they can find you and your various websites uh, <laughs> online and on social media, please? Well, we've got what I'm going to do, Chloe, is just recommend one because um, life is short. Butler and Hill is is our gift website which sells personalised map gifts, including the jigsaw with your house in the centre and the jigsaw where you first met your partner. And that's butlerandhill.co.uk, butlerandhill.com. Marvellous. And I'll, I will, we'll only mention that one here, but I will add links to the others in case anyone wants to go and take a look at the geography teacher's site as well um okay and brian i think you have a little offer for our listeners too yeah so if you want a jigsaw with with a map with your house as a centerpiece or a jigsaw with a map where you met your partner where you first met um go to butlerandhill.co.uk butlerandhill.com and use the code masterplan where you get a 20 percent discount awesome thank you very much for that brian and i have another question for you if anyone listening to this this podcast would like to stock your products and i have to say if they fit for your customer base and your product range you should really consider it because like i said earlier every single gift business i've ever worked for or with they've been in the top 10 yeah it's so, just uh, it's just a no-brainer to me so how would they get in contact with you if they want to explore that well contact me on uh, anyway mapmarketing.com 
Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm on all of them. Um, but uh, we have specific, uh, if you want to see our, our product lists, we've got um, uh, trade sites, uk.mapmarketing.com and us.mapmarketing.com. And you can see our, our, our sort of our trade offering on there. Thank you for mentioning that, Glenn. Marvellous. <laughs> that, that's okay. Um, well, hopefully it'll help some of the listeners as well because it's, um, you yeah. know, a best-selling product is something we're always looking for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right, listeners, I'll add links to all of that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Brian, it has been an utter pleasure chatting to you today. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so thank you so much for being so generous, sharing some really cool experience with us. It's been excellent. Great. Thank you. Really enjoyed it, today. Well, a lovely interview there with Brian. So many cool little nuggets, kind of about the big picture of e-commerce there. Uh, apologies for rushing in bits of it because I know that annoys some of you. But like I did say earlier, I would love to know what length you like these podcasts to be. Do you like them short, which is what I try to do, so sub 30 minutes? Or do you like it when we just go off on tangents? Let me know what you think. Um, ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash contact is where you'll find all the relevant contact details. Or if you're in the Facebook group, just let me know in there. Um, so my key takeaways from our session with Brian there, I guess, Follow the money would be a big one, wouldn't it? How do we go about following the money? And then what's the niche of your niche was the other. So in terms of following your money, which bit of your business is working the best? How can you focus in on that? And then when it comes to the niche of the niche or the niche of the niche for our American listeners, um, if you've got, if you know that this customer base and this product set are, are it for you, what's the marketing method that really gets it? And how can you make all of that work as well as possible? Well, um, let me know what you thought about this episode and all things e-commerce by joining in the discussion in the Facebook group, which is via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. And have a great week, all of you, and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.